Well, in absence of our theme song yet to be announced, you got me for just a few seconds. Welcome to Book Talk. We've worked very hard this week on getting us on every podcast directory known to man. So, so I think I'm a little rattled. I had a show I just did where the audio levels were all over the level and people's phones and they were yelling and whatever. And I think I need a good book to enjoy to ease down. Well, I'll turn it over to Jennifer and she'll introduce Nolan and we'll go from there. Perry and I and Pam are waiting for your phone calls and we'll usher you in just remember to try to come in as quietly as possible without your speech if you can help it because this does go out over a podcast so go ahead and take it away jennifer good afternoon everyone welcome to book talk episode five already and let me introduce my very capable co-host nolan crabb Hi, everyone. Pleasure to be with you. And uh, running a little slow this week, but uh, golly, it's I look forward to this so much. In fact, it's kind of the highlight of the week for me. That maybe says something about my pathetic life. I don't know. But uh, I love this opportunity to be part of what you do. And, uh, and gosh, I have some great recommendations this week. We have a little chance to bring the listeners in and let them talk to us about some of their favorite places to read. We might be surprised by that. And we want to talk about a buddy read that we agreed to do two weeks ago. And that's going to be a lot of fun as well. And uh, so we've got we've got plenty to do. And uh, do you want to start off talking about a book or do you want me to start? What's your pleasure? I can start if you want. Sure. Um, this one, I chose something a little different this time. Um, it's I know we've talked about Virgin River before, so I picked one of the Virgin River books, um, Second Chance Pass. And then this one is the same, a lot of the same characters reoccur, but this one concentrates on Vanny and Paul. Paul had a good friend who who was in the the military with him that was married to Vanny, and he dies while serving in the military, and he made Paul promise to take care of his wife and baby. And, of course, he does, but he is racked with the guilt that he was secretly in love with her and, and, and all of the adventures that they have. And, of course, there's all the people in the little town that you've come to know. If you read any of the Virgin River series, it's a wonderful series. And it's by Robin Carr, and it's DB68737. All right. Very cool. And she's certainly well known for her her romance titles and even some fun Christmas romance stuff. That's, that's always, even those of us who don't read romances, will find some of those holiday ones pretty fun. Um, I'm going to take us on a heck of a, a left turn here or some kind of turn. Um, <laughs> we're going to move into a very different direction. Um, I want to look at the book. It doesn't take a hero. This is the autobiography of general H Norman Schwarzkopf whom some of you will remember, conducted the war in Iraq, the very first one we did back in 1990 when George Bush Sr. was president. 
And those were interesting days for me. I had only been in the nation's capital and its environs for uh, about, uh, well, I guess eight or so months by the time that happened. And my youngest child, who turned 33 last week, was at that time still in a bassinet and diapers and still not speaking. She was only uh, just uh, four or five months old when that conflict broke out. This is his autobiography, and it's the most fantastic autobiography. There are very few out there that will, will be easier to read and more pleasurable. You're perhaps thinking, well, I don't know. He worked with George Bush Sr., and maybe it's going to be a big George Bush love, love fest. And I don't, I'm not particularly leaning to the, to the right. I don't think I'm going to enjoy that. Let me set you straight on this or help you with this. Uh, maybe put your fears at rest, if you will. This book's extremely apolitical. Schwarzkopf describes himself as, quote, a Kennedy Democrat, unquote. But that's as much politics from him as you ever get. He worked hard to be fiercely loyal to whomever he serves under, and this is an interesting guy. This is a fairly humble guy who um, hated the term Storm and Norman. That was a media thing that they made up for him, but he was never uh, someone who believed in it or, or bought into that. He was born just prior to World War II. His dad was military. His dad, in fact, was a general. He spent his early childhood in New Jersey, and uh, the dad was usually absent from the family. Babs, dad's absence meant Schwarzkopf's mom uh, would frequent the liquor cabinet, and the more she drank, the more uh, uh, liquor appeared in the cabinet. It seemed to have an inexhaustible supply, unfortunately, for the children. There was Schwarzkopf and two sisters. The more she drank, the more hate-filled and abusive she became towards Norman and his two sisters. Uh, Norman took his share of it, but he was the favorite child, so he got less, actually, than the two girls. The, they absorbed the bulk of it. He described it as something beyond destructive and extremely disruptive. He couldn't wait to get out of there. At the end of World War II, Schwarzkopf went to Iran with his dad and uh, learned the culture and, and language of that part of the world at that point in time. He went there from there to Switzerland to a boarding school. Those years are interestingly categorized here. He got some serious military school training after Switzerland. He wanted someday to be a student at West Point, and indeed he eventually was. At West Point, he found the discipline for which he had been craving. He really starved for, for discipline and family, and he found both at West Point. He found happiness there that he had never achieved in any other setting. And so uh, the military became clearly a uh, refuge as well as a place where he could excel. Um, he chose the inf infantry. He wanted to go Air Force, but uh, he had a problem with, with air sickness, and that obviously is going to prevent him from being much uh, valuable in the Air Force. Um, if you read it, you're going to read about a, a remarkable marriage. They had three kids, and this wife didn't have any problem moving any time he would come home and say, we got to be gone by, by day after tomorrow kind of stuff, just super short notice. Uh, obviously, I never did time in the military, but I unfortunately did some of those kinds of things to my poor wife. Hey, I found a job in so-and-so, got a report there on the 15th, and uh, <laughs> I have no idea how she managed it. So I can relate to him a little bit on that, although his... His moves probably were more pur purposeful in some respects, um, but uh, th that was a good marriage. They were together for, for, for as long as they were alive. You'll read about his time in Vietnam. That was fascinating. Um, 
he writes about the mistakes that were made in Vietnam, and uh, it, there's a lot to think about with regard to our uh, exodus from Afghanistan uh, some years back now. You can see some parallels if you read this. Um, lots of other postings here. The, the best part for me, of course, was the, the narration of the ground war in Iraq in 1990. That was uh, a local story for me since we lived in, in Washington, or near it, rather. And so it had lots of local impact as well as national and international. The fun part was reading some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. For example, when Americans went to Saudi Arabia in the fall of 1990, the immediate problem Schwarzkopf had to deal with was dealing with the Saudis and some cultural problems. They were horrified when uh, broadcast details went out of a group of women who sort of uh, flaunted their stuff before these uh, young GIs in a uh, well, sort of amateur talent show is what it, what it was. It turned out the women were actually members of, uh, wives of uh, the oil company Americans who lived in the country. And they thought they were doing these troops a huge favor by showing up at this talent show, some of them perhaps dressed a little more scantily than the Saudis would have liked, and performing for these GIs, these Americans. Schwarzkopf didn't even agree to that. He didn't even know it happened until after the, the Saudis basically stormed his office and said, what the heck are you doing? What's the meaning of this? Um, and he had to put out that prairie fire. And then came Christmas of 1990, and when U.S. military radio began broadcasting Christmas music carols, the Saudis once again were apoplectic. You can't do that here. You, don't, you can't broadcast that stuff. And Schwarzkopf said, uh, my, my people have to have the music of the season. It's, it's good for morale. It's appropriate for them. They need it. They, they ultimately compromised on doing instrumentals. You can do Christmas instrumentals, but you can't do anything that has lyrics or vocals. So that was the compromise there. And then the Saudis screamed about the influx of Christmas cards into the kingdom. You can't bring those here. You have to tell your people to stop uh, sending those. This is, this is a violation. And Saudi, I'm sorry, Schwarzkopf looked at them and said, guys, none of us have the time to sort through 3,000 pieces of mail a week. You don't have time. I don't have time. You need to just let this one go by. So the cultural stuff was as fascinating to me as some of the bigger, uh, more, more widely known press conferences that dealt with Schwarzkopf's progress in the war. In short, guys, this was a really fun biography. It doesn't matter what your politics is. If you're interested in reading about someone who you will remember as a part of your life, this is probably a good way to do it. The oops, the um, order number is DB35557. DB35557. And again, it's called It Doesn't Take a Hero, General H. Norman Schwarzkopf, that's S-C-H-W-A-R-Z-K-O-P-F, The Autobiography, and that's the full title of the book. And, of course, Schwarzkopf is the author, but he had a ghostwriter with him as well. Um, can't remember who reads it. Let me look, see if I can find it. Um, Lou Harpenau, just in case you care, from the American Printing House narrates it, and he did a really nice job. Uh, so that's my first book. It was quite he a, would do a fantastic job. Yeah, he was excellent. Let's pause for a question. Does anybody have any questions or want to talk about a book? Just raise your hand if you're in the room, and we'll be glad to take your call. If not, 
they'll just roll on. And I think it's time to roll. So, Jennifer, are you going to take it away? Well, let's see. I sort of hate to talk about another um, David Baldacci book, but I think I will. Um, Split Second is the first book in the uh, King and Maxwell series. There were four or five of these, and they're pretty good. And if I'm not mistaken... That must be what the TV series of King and Maxwell was based off of. But this is called Split Second, and, and this is how you meet Sean King, who, as this book opens, he has been demoted. He was a oh, he was a Secret Service agent, and the his his president got shot. And so he's been demoted, but he started his own private investigation company. And then you meet Maxwell, and she is in guarding a new, another president, and her president gets kidnapped. And so they end up teaming up together to find out to get her president back. And it's it's David Baldacci at his at his best, and I they're. They used two narrators for this book, and it was really it was good because the it was very you know it's very snappy, witty dialogue, and you really get the the feeling that you know for the for the two characters, and it's split seconds, and it's DB five six nine zero four, and I'm sure you've read some of those. I bet Nolan. Yeah, I've enjoyed that series immensely. Uh, it just uh, a lot of fun. He he does a great job with characters like Sean King and and Michelle, who is the the female counterpart there, I guess. And it's yeah, it's he does a good job at writing them, and you cheer for yeah. him despite it. He has a way of making you cheer for whoever his heroine yes. or hero is. Yes, the other thing he does well, I think, is he digs the most hopeless circumstances into which he flings these people. And you just are absolutely awash in adrenaline trying to figure out how on earth they're going to get out of that. There's no way they're going to get out of that circumstance. It's not possible. And yet somehow, if you keep reading, he finds ways to, uh, to pull them out of some of those dreadful circumstances. Well, and you uh, have to turn the next page. You can't leave them there. I mean, that's exactly. The, that's the exactly. thing I like about him is he makes you keep going to the next chapter. Yeah, absolutely. You have does. to find out. Yeah, he absolutely does. It's uh, It's amazing how... <laughs> In fact, I've, I've caught myself sometimes popping the next button on my player just to just to get a teeny tiny sneakity peek of that next chapter to see whether they're still alive or what happens to them. It's been that involved. I don't stay there. I always jump back to where I was and uh, and catch up. But uh, boy, sometimes you get really thinking this guy is, is has dug a real hole for these folks. And there's no way they're going to get out. I believe That's we a, got a raised hand. I believe it might be Gil, but I. Could be wrong. Yes, you are right. right. <laughs> I just wanted to jump in here, and um, I know it's a book that's been around a long time, and probably everybody's read it by now, but uh, I just uh, took advantage of the NLS Braille on Demand and uh, got The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien and read it in braille for the first time and um 
How was that uh, experience? It was wonderful. I, I, <laughs> I kind of enjoyed seeing the uh, English spellings of some of the words um, oh, yes. in in there, and um, uh, that was kind of interesting. And um, I was amazed. I've probably read it a dozen or more times in my life. Uh, I tend to read Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings every two or three years, and um, I still brought tears to my eyes during one part of that, that near yeah. the end of that book, and uh, it's just uh, amazing how it can still move me after so many readings, and I know what's coming, but it's it's just so well written, such a great story, that uh, um, I was just amazed <laughs> that uh, it could still move me so much uh, after all those readings, and just fantastically written. It, it stands the test of time, doesn't it? It's an yes, amazing it book. Wonderful I had service. never read those books until Guiding Eyes for the Blind granted me my first guide dog in 1995, and his name was Hobbit. And oh, wow. I would be accosted by strangers who learned his name, and they would then start talking to me about how cool the book was. And isn't that a great part of the book when... Surely you you got the you named the dog because you read that book, and I would have to ruefully admit to these folks, well, no, I, I no, I I've not read the book. So I finally did break down and read it after I accrued that dog. But I I loved it. It was it's such a good book, and uh, you're right. It's 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 impressive. Decades later, no matter how long ago it was written. Thanks so much for the call, Gil. I think and stay right there and come back if you need to, where you always welcome. I think we've got Pierre from Louisiana, 225. Go ahead, Pierre. Yeah, uh, a great series is called the Chet and Bernie series. Yes. And, uh, by Spencer Quinn. And if you don't laugh out loud, with that book, those books, there's something wrong with you. Because, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, it's about the uh, 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 Bernie Little owns the little detective agency, and Chet is the dog. And it's it's seen from the view of the dog. He's the narrator. And uh, so it, they have some funny parts in that book. So if you want to read a little comedy with some detective uh, get the Chet and Bernie series. That scene in one of those books where Chet watches the elephant empty itself absolutely had me on the on the floor in laughter uh, paroxysms. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and and the scene where where uh, Bernie says, "Well, that was a wild goose chase," and Chet's running around the yard trying to find the wild <laughs> trying goose. to find the goose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week, too, and you're right. That he writes that so well. I've seen behavior patterns of my dog in, in this guy, in this, this book. You know, the, the, he's thinking one thing, and then he loses that train of thought, and he's on to the next train of thought. It's fascinating how well. I don't know this author or anything about him, but he clearly he clearly knows dogs. He has obviously observed them well, and Presumably, he's a dog lover because he he gets it so so on point. You're right. That's a great series. Thank you for recommending that. And I don't remember what the first book in the series is. I should probably look that up if we get a spare minute here in a minute. Um, but it's an excellent series. So how do you keep up with this on 
Ms. Nolan, I notice you're not having any problem. Are you using your laptop and a Braille display? What exactly is your setup to do your book research there? So I have an ungainly, gigantic desktop that I bought the final summer that our old uh, mutual friend JR was alive. Mm-hmm. He talked me into it, <laughs> and I have no regrets. I love it. It's an i9 processor, and it's a really good machine. And um, so I use that and a Mantis Braille display that technically belongs to my employer, but that you'd have to pry out of my hands at this point. I love that display. It's the best thing I've ever used. And um, that's how I, I do the research for the, the books we talk about. That's how I actually look at the plot lines and summaries and all of that. Just, just uh, I've turned the, the speech in Jaws off almost completely. I've done the speech on demand thing. And I just use the Braille display and locate uh, what I need that way. And that's why you're not hearing any screen reader in the background. You're very professional at it. Got it really down to a science. I've got one of those Mantis right here. And they're uh, a great great thing to have. I really recommend if you're going to do a lot of research, invest. I mean, laptops are great. They yeah. are really, really, really great. I never thought I never thought I'd see you go to a laptop. I mean, a desktop. But I know, and you could tell I Jr. Know. was sick when he was recommending a PC desktop to you. It was always Mac, 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 Mac. But yeah, he was huge Mac. Yeah, and this may have been his his last uh, get even kind of dig. I don't know, but I'm <laughs> actually I say that in jest because it was. I've loved the device. It's been a fantastic machine, super speedy, lots of solid-state drives, and it's just, yeah, he did that, me a huge favor. Let's put uh, it that, that way. Was, uh, that was an inside thing that I've wondered over the past several weeks. Yeah. Um, well, thank you that. for noticing that. But, you yeah, know, that's, what, that's what it's all about. That. But you will notice that we'll have picked up some, because I did some investing, serious investment of time, um, locating all the podcast directories and putting this in everything possible. So, when anything that involves a a podcast search, your and Jennifer's name is right in there. So your show. So, I've never invested this much time doing this before, and I thought that. Our web people were doing it. They weren't, so I did it, and I found out I could do it. So we'll see what happens. But this is very much so available on a podcast, so if you miss it for whatever reason. So back to your regular programming now. So to get back real quickly to that last uh, gentleman and his recommendation of the Chet and Bernie series, again, he's right. The author is Spencer Quinn. That's actually a pseudonym for a guy named Peter Abramson. I didn't know that before. That was It, it doesn't matter. Um, the first book in the series is called Dog On It, D-O-G space On It, and it was written in 09. I'm trying to determine whether Bard has it. Uh, looking real quick because I'm just, I think it's here, but I'm not positive, and I'd hate to misrecommend you. Um, yeah, it's not, not coming up quickly. Um, here we go. Here it is. I'm sorry. It's it's no. It doesn't. It's not here. It appears that either Bard doesn't have it or I've mistyped it. But the first book in the series is called Dog on It. 
It is definitely on board. That's you think right. it is? All right. Yes, definitely. All right, so it's, we'll call my spatula fingers the uh, reason that it failed. Um, that's very likely true, and it's worth, uh, worth your time. I agree. Yes, here it is. Dog on it, a Chet and Bernie mystery. The order number is DB68453. Once again, DB68453. If you've not dipped into this series and you are feeling kind of grim about bank failures and whatever else is going on in the world around you, this is a magnificent way. He's right. This is a great way to, to step back and have a good laugh. Um, the first book is only eight hours long at normal speed. Uh, Michael Schur narrates, I think, pretty much the whole series. And uh, it's good. Uh, the, the, the NLS description of this says, after flunking out of police school, canine Chet becomes partners and roommates with private investigator Bernie Little. Though easily distracted, Chet is a good sleuth. He describes Bernie's latest case, the disappearance of a 15-year-old Madison, a 15-year-old Madison Chambliss, and his own frustration when trying to communicate clues. There's some violence, apparently, some strong language, but uh, I, I don't know, not much. This is really a good, clean mystery that you can enjoy pretty much by just about anyone. So thank you for letting us know about that. We got uh, my one apologies more hand, for taking yeah. so long to find it. Yeah, we got one more hand, Nolan. That's Pam right here in the panel. Go okay. ahead, Pam. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Nolan and uh, Bill also... Do you know if this book is available in the public library, given oh, yeah. the fact that we are on various uh, and sensitive podcasts? Oh, absolutely. Podcasts? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been out since uh, 2001, I think. Uh, 2009. I apologize. Yeah, it's been out since 2009. It's going to be in any public library on Earth. Um, and certainly it's possible even that a local independent bookstore can back order it for you it's all over the place in amazon if you are a kindle reader uh it's yeah it's this is going to be widely available everywhere thank you so much yep. so bill why don't you you want to tell us about the series you've been reading um it's a presidential series and i'm trying to remember the order of all of them i know one of them was madam president and it's by Nicole Wallace, who was a three-book set, and that's N-I-C-O-L-L-E, Nolan, for mm-hmm. your edification. Eight, it, 18 Acres was the first one. 18 Acres, yeah, and um, it's classified was the second one, and Madam President, very, very good series. I'm not a book reviewer. But it held mine, and I hate to say it, but it's not offensive. She was a member of President George W. Bush's staff in 2006. So, you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't affect the politics. There used to be a time in this country probably even in my lifetime when you could be on opposing sides and you could sit down and discuss it and nobody took it personal or it didn't break up families. That used to be the case. Right. That used to be the case. You know what I mean? And this was kind of one of those books. I think it might have been a little far out there, but it was pretty 
real. I've seen books that go into further detail, but I was able to follow the drama all through the three books. It was like four women, and they were... um, you know, they were the main characters and their strengths and flaws. And the first lady, how she she led them. And uh, it, it was a very good book and how she made a bad choice on vice presidents. In this an ideal world, she was a Republican and the vice president was a was a Democrat and how they split the ticket was a unity ticket. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to happen in our lifetime. But uh, no, that, uh, that's not anymore. For the book. Yeah. But yeah. Jenny will put in the book numbers in the podcast notes because I, I wasn't prepared to really talk about that book, but I just finished reading it. Um, this weekend, one of them, I had to switch to Audible because the audio was so bad on the Bard book that I just couldn't hardly read it. I don't know if it's my failing ears or what the case is, but it was bad. Uh, you've probably had that problem before, Nolan. Lots of times. Where the audio- Or it'll be an area I just can't deal with. There's some of them that I can't. They just ruin the book. (laughs) They just can't deal with them. There's a guy that used to write or read for these Jack Aker books, I believe. And he probably was one of my worst narrators I've ever heard. So that happens that way. So turn it back to you. But that gets my thumbs up of the week. Those Nicole Wallace books, if you like those type of book saying you're not offended one way or another if somebody talks about the right or the left and you just kind of truck it down the middle and kind of read what you read and shrug and go on. Hey, hey Bill, before we throw it back to Nolan, I assume if we have a book that we've read, we're allowed to talk about it? You're, yeah. Yeah, there's no rules about anything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I have not finished the book. I just downloaded it today. It's not on Bard. So, unfortunately, that isn't going to help you with Bard, but it's on Bookshare. The book title is Saved, A War Reporter's Mission to Make It Home. The author is Benjamin Hall, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-H-A-L-L. He is a fox. Yep, that's where the, that's what this was about. He was He's a fox reporter. He was covering the State Department, and then they asked him, oh, by the way, can you go to Ukraine and... He said, yeah, and uh, eventually what happened is he wound up on the front lines, and uh, the Russians were have, had thrown missiles, and their vehicle was in the wrong place at the wrong time and was hit. And uh, his producer, uh, Pierre, and I forget his last name, and then their translator, whose first name was Sasha, were both killed along with two Ukrainian staff. And what he does in this book is he goes through all the people who um, came in to rescue him from where he was. Uh, He had to be put on the Poland prime minister's train uh, for about a 10-hour train ride out of there, which he said at that time they could give him no pain meds or anything. And he recaps his whole um, 
mission, you know, once he got home and kind of his recovery and where he is now. And he said he hopes to come back to work, actually, but he has no more ambitions to go into war zones. He, he would like to go to Ukraine and interview uh, President Zelensky if he could. And he said people are trying to make that happen. But um, the title again is Saved a war reporter's mission to make it home by Benjamin Hall. And it, it, it's a positive book. I mean, so if you, it's, it's not negative really. It's about his recovery and all that. And he had some pretty severe injuries. Yeah. He really was banged up. He was. was That's on my list. Yeah. So thank you for that. Would you tell us the story about Don? I think this Nolan would like this for, for the show. The, the, the positive effect of her adding to her wish oh, list. Oh, uh, the nine books on the wish list and when the show started, now it's over 50. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, <laughs> you're having a positive effect. Go ahead. That's outstanding. Uh, please don't treat them as though they're homework and as if you, you have to get through them or you're going to just tear yourself apart. That's not, that's not what you do with the to-read pile. You know, it's just there for your your fun and your entertainment, so that you can look through it and say, "Oh, okay, today I'll pull that one." And uh, that's my, uh, my goal was just to live long enough to get through my to read pile. It's so. Big. And mine is to live long enough that I, when I'm all done, I will be able to look back at it and say, "That thing, I never got finished with it all." It's so cool. Um, I think that's really cool. So let's spend a minute, if you don't mind, talking about. Favorite places to read. We've been putting this one off, and I want to get through at least a few minutes of it before we spend time with our buddy read book. Um, almost all of us have a place that we go to that becomes a sort of reading place. Some of us range around the house, I suppose, and we, we read while we're doing dishes and while we're um, doing stuff around the house. Um, rarely, though, are we reading while, I don't know, maybe watching TV or something. It's, it's a little bit difficult to do all of that all at once. It gets a little jangling. Even I, who tend to be reasonable, reasonably good with multitasking things, would struggle with both the TV and a book at the same time. It can be done, but not well, in my judgment at least. Um, we all have interesting places to read. I would just throw this out. I'll, I'll start it, I guess, and then throw it out. One of the best places that I've found to read a book is on a jogging path, a mile and a quarter circular jogging path that is part of the apartment complex in which I live. And it's a super safe path because there are no streets to cross. There are no lights to look out for. You can just get out there and and walk it or run it or jog it, whatever turns your crank. I actually enjoy reading on it because, again, I'm not worried about, ooh, I have to leave the headphones out of my ears so that I don't get caught in traffic. Oh, no, that's going to be really bad. It just isn't that kind of a route, and um, it's a lot of fun. It's um, you can walk for a, you know whatever long length of time you need to, and forget that you're walking, and just and it's a it's a really fun place to read. And there are more traditional places. Uh, since my wife and I bought our new car in 2022, um, oh sorry, in 2021, um, one of the things I really enjoy is piping my book through the audio system in that car and it's just a boy it does a great job with it i'm not sure how happy she is about being forced to be held hostage to my uh reading tastes but she doesn't seem to complain and uh she's never once pulled over and tapped the brake and said you know what it turned it off or you're out so that's a good sign (laughs) Um, 
But I do enjoy reading from the car sometimes. It's just an, I can relax. I'm just lean back in that really comfortable seat, and uh, we're doing the, getting the reading done. So I'll throw that out to some of you. Um, maybe you have a unique place or where you really enjoy spending time with a book. I'll, we got a couple participants with raised hands. Anybody see those? Let's see here. Let's see what we've got. Uh, if you've got your hand raised, go ahead and talk. Yeah, this is Gil. Um, okay, Gil. I thought I'd chime in on this one. Um, I uh, have really uh, enjoyed listening to books while on the treadmill, and in fact, um, it's <laughs> made it possible for me to motivate myself uh, to get on the treadmill so I have that time to read. And... Uh, I get in the middle of a really good book, and uh, I uh, it, it motivates me to get on the treadmill. And but my favorite place to read is sitting in my lazy boy recliner. Yes. So. Oh, that's a wonderful place. <laughs> that's a great place. I've got a favorite place. I like to read at night before I go to sleep, and I turn on the sleep timer. Mm -hmm. um, I like it to have it with me when I'm walking. I, I can't do with. I like having a book almost wherever I go. It kind of replaced my radio. Well, you know, radios and yeah. nowadays, and I've. I've had to compromise a little bit. The Victor streams have dropped off along the way. I'm using my phone a lot for a reader, and even my book sense is a hymns mini book sense is a pretty good book reader. I can read all types of books. Good, good. So, yeah, what do you use, great. Gil, for reading? I, I have three uh, Generation One Victor reader streams. Oh. I rotate among them. I have uh, one of them full of novels, one of them full of uh, series books, and one of them full of uh, holiday and nonfiction books. How fun. I usually have a book going on each of them at the same time. And that's a good thing. And what do you use, Nolan, if you're so reading? Interestingly enough, I use mostly an iPad because i got to save my phone for work-related stuff in terms of the battery. And so I tend to be a little sparing with its battery if I can be. So I have an iPad that I use a lot at bedtime. I switch exclusively to a Victor Reader Trek because if I'm sleepy, I can still operate those buttons and say, no, stop reading. I'm going to lose my place of the book. A little harder to do with a phone or an iPad. But I would say primarily my reading device is an iPhone or an iPad, either one. And... Uh, and right. I keep books on a hard drive, and they go back to July of 2009. I have books going back that far that I haven't yet read, and so they're based on a year. The number, you know, the year in which I downloaded them, they're separated out that way. So that's my funky system, as it were. But yeah, it's primarily the iPad, the iPhone, and then a Victor Trek. And then so do you keep them? Do you put them back on the hard drive? I do not. Once I've read them, unless they are phenomenal standouts that just absolutely dropped me, uh, you know, just, just cleaned my clock, as it were. Um, no, I don't keep them. I have a small folder called Library, 
into which I put some of these really 10-star books in a 5-star world kind of uh, things. I, I probably have 15 or 20 that have made it into that library so far. So, no, normally they just get deleted and reviewed somewhere, and then they're gone. So. I think we have somebody else with a raised hand. You can go ahead and speak. I'm not sure who it is. My screen reader is not cooperating up to 100%. Do we have anybody else that wishes to talk? Okay. Hi, guys. This is uh, Jerry in Indiana, PA. And uh, I know no one you'll remember me from your other show. I do, vividly. I'm grateful for to, to see you, hear you again. I remember your 10-minute oration when I told him uh, I was 10 minutes from Jimmy Stewart Museum. And, uh, exactly right. Do you have any interesting recommendations, biographies about him and growing up here or anything like that that you I, recommend? I, I, I will put one together for next week if you think you can be back. I, I don't have it off the cup off the top of my head and and but yeah there are well, some great ones out there. Not sure that I'll be back next week because uh, well it's a long story. My wife okay, well, still have all hits number. I'll give you a call sometime. Yes, that one still works. So let me know and I'll put them and, together uh, for that week. Also, my favorite place I can read many places. I just have the book player and I can read. Uh, uh, Outside on the swing when it's warm, or or uh, in my recliner in a living room. My wife and I don't really live yet read together anymore because she has diabetic dementia. So we have if we do we have to read a little longer because there's parts she won't remember from time to time. But mm -hmm. other than that, that's my favorite read. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, and it's good to hear from you again. I'm so glad you're there. Um, okay. Do let's talk about that those that that book. I like, I've got a couple of biographies I want to talk about when you're able to hear it. Talk about it. I think we might have Pam Francis who had a raised hand. Do you have one raised, Pam? Yes. For me, I like to read outside when it's warm. I have a glider on my balcony. I take my phone out there and read. How cool is that? What a nice approach. You know, we haven't heard from you, Jennifer. What do, how do you read your books? I like to read out, well, here in Florida, I like to go out on the lanai with all the screens open and sit out there and you can hear the birds and, and everything and, and, and read out there. Or usually, and it, I guess in Indiana, too, I read on the porch lots of times. Or sometimes I sit in my recliner, but I'd really rather be out in the fresh air somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's huge. We have plenty of that, usually, in southwest Florida. And we've got maybe one more, and then we'll get back to the regular programming. Sure. Uh, okay, we uh, do 773 Bill in Chicago. Do you have a something you want to say? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, okay. yes, we yeah. can. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah. okay. Yeah, I got, well, I got a few books, but the one I really thought was interesting, it's called Clark and Division. It takes place in Chicago during and right after World War II. And the plot, and it's authored by, uh, now I'm going to spell this word because it's Japanese, H-I-R-A-H-A-R-A. -A -A. That's the author, and it's an NLS, NLS book. It's one zero four seven four six, 
and the plot of the thing is the Japanese uh, man owns a big vegetable market and is really doing well before World War II breaks out uh-huh. in uh, California. And when the war breaks out, of course, they're interned. Yep. And after the after the so long, he moves to Chicago. And it's really an interesting story because he has a daughter that uh, they say commits suicide by jumping in front of a train, but there's a whole plot behind that. But the uh, whole thing is interesting because if you're familiar with Chicago, they don't budge the streets or the addresses. Everything is authentic because some of the, you know some books you'll get they'll say, oh he walked north on Division Street. Well, Division Street only runs east and west. Oh, interesting. But but it it's really it's really a good book and it it goes from the. Um, his, you know, it's her the sister really gets involved in. The, she didn't think her her sister committed suicide, but it's it's a mystery. Plus, that was called Clark and Division. Sounds wonderful. Thank you for that yeah. recommendation. And thank right. you, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I give him a hard time. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, Connie, yeah, do you have something to okay. say, real quick? Connie from Kalamazoo. I thought I saw you in here. Uh, she joined the meeting, but I don't. I don't know. I just she's... wanted to say that my favorite place to read is out in the backyard with the birds. There you go. Now there you go. That's a good place. There's there's no better symphony in the background than a bird symphony while you're trying to read a book. Is there? That's really great. I used my, I used to get in trouble when I was a kid because <clears throat> I would read a braille book under the covers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Didn't we all do that? Yep. And get caught every once in a while. <laughs> yep. I remember those days. Oh, yeah. So, Jennifer, do we have time to talk about the book of the week, or do we want to wait till next week and talk about the, the reading? Buddy oh, reading? well, let's, let's go ahead and talk about it if you want. We've only got, well, we've got ten minutes. I think that'll be sufficient. Would you not agree? We can we can go and wait until next week if you want. No, I'm fine with, with now. That's fine. That works. Uh, it's your call. I mean, your program, you tell me what we're doing. I'm no, happy you, to do it. Whatever, however you want to do it is fine with me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and just spend time on this and maybe uh, talk about if we want to do a next buddy read or if it was kind of a not good idea. We're, I'm not sure. We're kind of new at this. So we picked The 620 Man by David Baldacci as the a buddy read. And a buddy read is, is just that. It's something a bunch of folks get together and read together and then talk about after they finished it. Um, sometimes they will talk about it while it, while they're reading it in some circles. Uh, but uh, I really enjoyed this book. I had not heard of it or hadn't, and I knew it existed, but I had it on a hard drive buried. And so bringing it out for this purpose was, was fantastic. Um, this is the story of, of Travis Devine, and he's a former Army Ranger who um, was good at the craft of, of warring, but now he's trying to do a job as a junior analyst at an investment brokerage. So every morning at 6.20, he's on the train going into Manhattan. The only thing that breaks his miserable routine is a uh, rather uh, interesting bikini-clad 20-something-year-old uh, woman who um, passengers can see as the train passes her the house she lives in. She's in a swimming pool, and uh, she's out there, in some cases, just sort of uh, exhibiting herself, if you will, to whomever looks at her in the, in the train as it blows by her house. 
Other than that, he's another Manhattan automaton doing a job he frankly hates. And he doesn't have a lot of hope of any kind of future reward in that job. He gets an email one day at his desk, however, that he can't trace, that tells him that his friend Sarah Hughes is dead. Um, He and she slept together once, and she captured his heart, but that wasn't a mutual thing with her. She kind of moved on after a while, did, did other things. He never quite forgot her, and so her death comes as a massive crashing blow to him. It turns out that her death wasn't the at-work suicide everybody assumed it was. And in fact, someone, someone killed Sarah Hughes, and he's on that case when he gets a mysterious communication inviting him to help And they promise that his murky service record, which I'm not going to talk about here. If you didn't read the book, you need to, uh, will get cleared up if he helps with this this case, this investigation. Um, I didn't ration this out over the two weeks. I couldn't put it down. And I resented every minute of normal life that I had to live when I wasn't (laughs) able to read this. I just, it, it frustrated me. You don't understand. I have this really good book. I've got to get back to this. Um... That's my take on this book. I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I, I've, I've monopolized the time. I'd love to hear what anyone else who read it thought. This is Gil. I, um, um, I really enjoyed the book as well. And, in fact, um, uh, murder mysteries aren't my absolute favorite genre, mm-hmm. but um, um, I certainly did enjoy this book. And, um, you know, it really... Um, Captivated me, I guess, and That's great. Uh, wanted to keep going. And um, I'd I'd say it's one of the better murder mysteries I've read. I've not yes. read a lot of them, but yeah. uh, it's one of the better ones I've read. One thing uh, kind of odd about it that I picked up on is that I realized that I like murder mysteries to have short chapters, and uh, this one does. It sure does. Reminds me a lot of the early James Patterson murder mm-hmm. mysteries, mm-hmm. and he always writes real short chapters. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that appeals to me exactly, but it does. And yep. um, so uh, I, I really, uh, I guess it's that I keep telling myself, "Well, this next chapter's short. I can, I can go ahead and read another one." <laughs> That's what it is. You're absolutely right. It's that sense of accomplishment. And yep. so then I keep going and going and going <laughs> until I get to the end. So yeah, certainly held your interest all the way through. Yes. Yeah. Wonder if he's going to create a series with him too. He certainly should. I, I'd love to see that. This guy is is an interesting character, and he would be worthy of a, a series. I don't know. In fact, I felt at the end that he was. I had to go out and look on fantastic fiction to see if it was a part of a series because at the end he didn't totally close up the you're right there's some loose stuff there there's uh, some loose ends there and it it felt to me like it was set up where it could turn into a series you're absolutely right it felt like that to me as well i yeah i kind of hope it happens that would be how does he i wish we could talk to him how does he write like this i don't think I don't think I've ever read a bad book that he's written. Now, some of them maybe I wasn't as wild about. Like, I don't think I was crazy about the first Camel Club book. I'd have to reread it now to see why I didn't like it. But mm-hmm. but usually, 
I, I don't know. He's I he always appeals to me. We got a quick comment from Connie. Connie, do you have something to say? Well, I thought I saw her hand raised. Maybe I didn't. Back to you guys. I enjoyed the setting of this. I clearly this is pre-pandemic type stuff because um, that train is full, and I don't think the subways are full over there anymore these days. I could be wrong, but um, I I've had jobs, frankly, where I felt like Travis Divine. I, you just you you show up and you do that job and you. Hope it doesn't eat at you from the inside out until it kills you, and you somehow slog your way through your day and go home. Um, so I, I could relate to that part of him, and uh, it's it's interesting how all of us, if we aren't careful, can, can get into some really unfortunate ruts and routines, and uh, he certainly demonstrated how that works in this book. I wanted I to really... say that... Go, go. go ahead, ahead, Connie. Go ahead, Connie. I just wanted to say I'm I'm this is my first time in this kind of a genre and I'm I think I'm on, I'm on 10. So I I'm looking forward to picking it back up. Yeah, that's a great book. Gil, did you have a point? Um I thought the narration was excellent as well. Yes. I, I really enjoyed the the narration of that book. That great. No, I'm just out of curiosity. Did you read the the version of it from Audible, or did you read it from Bard? And maybe it was the same version. It's I don't same know. One. Is it the same one? Yeah. Because I because I read the Audible version. And- yeah, they read the they used the commercial. Yeah, narration. I read the Bard version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great stuff. We may have to continue this on next week. Yep, we're so down I to five fifty nine according to my clock. So Uh-oh. yeah. So do we, do we want to continue this one next week in case more people want to read it and talk about it, or do you have another one that you want to read, or should we let's, table this idea? Let's um, let's leave it open for talk for next week, and then maybe have listeners bring suggestions for a, a buddy book, a buddy read that they would like, and talk about that next week as well. Okay. Good stuff. Check out the podcast, too. And if you just type in Nolan Crabb or Jenny Sparks Book Talk, you'll find the podcast. Definitely, because there's a lot of book talks out there. So you can find it if you can't listen to it. Anything else, Nolan? No, you can contact me at nolan.crabb at gmail.com. And Jenny? See you next week. And my email address is jsparks752 at gmail.com. And I hope to have, if you are subscribed to the list, you will get a copy of all of the books, hopefully by tomorrow or Thursday. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.